This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Vailon. And we're just two guys with no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're killing our friends and wearing our pet skins for hats as we watch Spine 152 in the Criterion Collection, David Gordon Green's George Washington from 2000. But first, mm. RJ, how mm. are you this evening? Hmm. I don't know. I'm usually pretty good until uh, until you're here. Just staring, you really bummed stare, me stare, out. Staring at Skype. Just, I'm doing pretty good. And then my face yeah. fills your screen. It's just, ugh. Yeah, well, there's all this, like, people don't know, but there's all this threatening stuff Jared does. Like, he, he always edits quote of, like, things that I say in the podcast together to make me say really compromising statements. And he's like, if you ever do anything, I'll put these out into the world, man. So it's like it's very it's very hostile work Talking environment about that sweet can. Sweet can. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine, man. Uh, it's another day. It's another week. The world is frozen, apparently uh, everywhere. in. I think it hit the States a week before it hit us. And we were we were laughing about it. Are you talking Just, about that polar vortex? Yeah, that's the one. It hit us finally. It's not as bad for us as it is other places. I think the lowest we got was minus 30. So, Oh, with that wind chill, something like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. see, that's the thing. We may only be minus 30, but our wind is the strongest wind in the world. And I would put that to a challenge to any other place in the world that thought they had stronger winds. You come hang out here for a while. You see. Uh, so it's cold, and that sucks. And then, you know, regular life has been pretty disappointing lately so did you uh watch those sports games on the weekend jared did you watch the sports i'm staring at you why because you know the answer oh so you well i thought you might you used to watch sport some sporting events you didn't uh you don't watch the super bowl such as what what sports are you referring to wrestling fake those are fake sports what about ufc you used to be really hot that's also hot on those that's another form of uh collaborative sport Col- mm. collaborative combat <laughs> so you're no. well i thought maybe you would want like you would watch some of the big ones some people nah. are like drop-in uh, fans no i'm one of those uh those chumps that are like signing up for those uh ads you know the people are go, oh go check out those ads i gotta be advertised to that's when well, the advertisers really go anyways. all out well, we did, I guess, up until now, and now there's like some new law changing, and now we won't. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think we ever got the commercials. We got like the Bud Light commercial that people were pissed off about for like <laughs> whatever crazy reason. But I don't even know what you're talking about. But continue. Do you want to hear about that one? No. It's pretty wild. No. So Bud Light Jarrett had a commercial oh. about how their beer is now oh, my being pa- down. Their breweries are powered by uh, wind power. And uh, people were, like, super pissed off, apparently. Why? I don't know. <laughs> people hate windmills? I, I guess. Oh I don't know. God. It's taking the jobs away, Jared. Green agenda. What about coal? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was weird. But, yeah, we didn't really get a lot of commercials. We did get a couple of those uh, those movie commercials, though, I guess. That's relevant to the show. Um, well, not really. There was that Fast and the Furious thing. But that had already been released like a day or two mm, before. Yeah. There was uh, that Avengers trailer, but I don't know. Mm. It's not much there. It's just teaser stuff. But the game itself was total horseshit, Jared. It was really boring. 
it was a pretty bad one. And I, it was especially bad because this year, Andrew and I just chose to stay home and watch it. Usually I go out uh, and do my own thing, which I've mentioned before, but I was trying to not get in trouble this year. So I decided to stay home. And plus, that was the day that the snow actually hit. And uh, it was like real blizzardy. So we're like, fuck it, we'll stay home. And then I watched it with her and she's like, football sucks. This is like the most boring thing ever. I'm, I'm like, well, it's not always like this. There's usually like some entertaining aspects. She's like, not in this game. And then the uh, halftime show, that was bad. Uh, but the real kicker, Jarrett, is uh, the sheer disappointment at uh, our food selection for the day. So people listening to the show, the longtime fans, they'll know that I've always been a strong advocate for Pizza Hut. I've always stood up for them. I've always tried to, you know, be be the guy who's just like, you know, they're not that bad. Pizza Hut's pretty good. People are too hard on Pizza Hut. So we ordered some Pizza Hut, Jarrett, and it was one of the single worst experiences we've ever had. Uh, we got wings and a pizza. The wings, uh, I sent a picture out on the Twitter. Uh, the case was completely flattened. Like, as if the person was sitting on the wings to keep them warm while they drove to our house. It was pretty cold, though, that night. It was pretty cold. And I, I couldn't even believe how squished this could get. So the wings were, like, completely ruined because they were all squished into this box. And then the pizza was squished, too. But on top of that, Jared, the pizza was burnt and it was undercooked. So they were pumping out pizza so fast. It was, like, undercooked in some spots in the middle. But then on the out, like the the crust, it was all burnt and it wasn't even their normal crust. It was like some other crust. And we we're just like, what is this horse shit? So we uh, I took to Twitter like a, an adult and I voiced my um, my concern to mm-hmm. the company and uh, we threw that shit out and it was a real bummer. And then the, the rest of the day really sucked. But, uh, but were you able to get your social justice? Not not at all. They never even responded, which is wow. why I'm so disappointed because before I had given them praise and they rewarded me with uh, free gift cards and memorabilia and product. So, uh, and I even, I think I, I wasn't mean in my, uh, my statement. I had said that I, I was a longtime fan of theirs and that it was quite disappointing. And I was expecting, like, I didn't need any reimbursement. I, we don't even want pizza anymore, but I was like, I thought they would maybe at least tweet back and be like, sorry. But I guess they're too busy ruling the world. Wow. They just lost a long time customer, Jarrett. For good. For good, maybe. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I, We have no plans of ordering Pizza Hut again in the future. And I know what you might say. Uh, people who are from this area might be like, why didn't you go to the local fancy pizza place, uh, Two Guys Pizza? Uh, and the last couple times we've got that, that was super bad, too. It was all undercooked and floppy. Or it was an hour late and cold, and we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to start making our own pizza. So uh, I'm going to take the opportunity now to start advertising my new pizza company uh, from Creepsville here. If you want a pizza, I'll, I'll make it up for you. It'll get to you. If you're in Lithuania, I know there's that one fan. It'll get to you eventually, but uh, I guarantee it'll be better than the shit that these people are pumping out. Anyways. Excellent. What, what what are you doing? What's up with you, nerd uh, boy? Not d- doing nerd things. Drawing, RJ. Just drawing. Are you, though? I am. Are you sticking to it this time? 
so far. Until I'm not. Mm-hmm. Until I'm not. I'm, mm-hmm. there's, there's no. Uh, there's no predicting when that'll uh, fizzle out, but it could happen any minute. So I might as well keep doing it while the the getting's good. How many movies did you watch this week? Oh, not very many, because uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, when you're when you're spending time doing other things, it mm-hmm. takes away time from doing other things. Well, I don't know if you know this, Jared, but this is what I've told you several times mm-hmm. when you've commented on my lack of movie watching. But uh, sometimes you are busy, right? Sometimes you don't have time to go see the hit new Brian Singer movie. Or the hit new M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I might be seeing that this week, so we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Andy uh, was getting on that letterbox game, and uh, she hit uh, the world with some hot takes. She gave Unbreakable two stars. Man, soon enough she's going to be being read on this show. Yeah, she she's hating on some movies, man. She's taking hard stances. Mm. But whatever. 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 But, That's yeah. all you've been doing, huh? No. Drawing. Yeah. My, so uh, have you? Are they into a cohesive thing now, or is it still just just, uh, just drawn for the drawn fun? I enjoy it for the it's fun. fun. It's fun to just draw, not think about it too much. Just uh, zone out, listen to a, a quality podcast or YouTube video thing, and just draw for like five hours. And what's uh, a quality podcast? Well, not this one, but there's mm-hmm. like stuff out there that's like good for uh, just background music sound mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just there to fill the uh the emptiness of this room in my heart just sound huh mm-hmm. mm. so once mm-hmm. in a while there's a factoid a, a what a, a factoid you know one what of those kind? i don't know I, I never know what they're gonna be hmm. mm-hmm. i find it questionable that you're watching and or listening to anything of quality actually i will give a plug to uh, one that i enjoy quite a bit it's called cartoonist kayfabe it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's done by uh, two cartoonists, Jim Rugg and Ed Pisker. Uh, they are going through, uh, this dates a person, I think, but Wizard Magazine, mm. which was a thing. Uh, they're going through it in chronological order, which is a, a sort of a, a similar framework uh, that some podcasts do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're, they've done about a year's worth of it so far, and uh, it's very interesting. They're, they're digging through the long boxes. I love comics, so, uh, mm-hmm. so that's been good. But uh, it, I know that Jim Rugg. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a pretty talented fella, those mm-hmm. guys. And uh, yeah, so I've been, that's been a good one. I like that one. But you know what, RJ? Mm-hmm. As far what? as emails, fucking nothing. Nothing, huh? Yep. I thought we were going to get something maybe to every, follow up. Every, every, everyone's too busy drawing, too, I guess. Well, maybe. That's, uh, that's fine. I know how to kill time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people don't love us anymore no. uh, and can't just offer us their support or friendship. Um, oh, hey, I had an update for you. Uh, I, I went to Frank's slide, and I remember you were excited. Uh, apparently, about 90 people died. What were, you, what were you doing at Frank's house? Frank's slide. Yeah. What were you doing, at his, what were you doing on his slide? Um, uh, uh, well, you asked me last week. You said, find out for me. And now I found out. About 90 people. Mm-hmm. Was there a little baby Frank? No, that's a made-up thing that I think <laughs> you made up. There was no baby pulled out. Well, there were babies pulled out of the rubble, but their names were like Hezekiah and uh, Judadiah. Yeah. Not Frank. The town was called Frank. <laughs> yeah. You nerd. 
But then there's like something I remember like the tale like there's baby Frank or something like that. There was a there were babies that got pulled out of it. I actually saw some pretty fine Canadian uh, filmmaking on this uh, trip. There was a Frank Slide one, and then at at, at a second venue we got a, a different one. Uh, whoo, baby, that's a it's an untapped uh, market right there. Is making these films for educational did purposes. You, uh, did you have? Did they play a Stompin' Tom song about Frank Slide? Uh, I don't think so. Something like the night the mountain came down or something like that. Classic that Canadiana. The mountain came down. Yeah. You know, the indigenous folk called it the mountain that moved. And they were right. And they were right because it moved back home. Like a sad bastard. See what happens when we don't have emails? Yeah. See, folks, this is your This is, on this you. is your fault. Yeah. This is your fault, Go friends. On people well whatever well rj uh i know i know a guy who went to the super bowl i haven't had a chance to talk to them Hmm. to find out uh if it was worth it but it probably was because it was his team that won he's he's Mm -hmm. a big patriots fan and uh he had pretty decent seats from what i gather no such thing as a a patriots fan Uh. (laughs) well that's embarrassing um i mean yeah it's cool to go and see uh, last year would have been a, or one of the last time they won, that would have been a cool one to see for him. But because there was an actual dramatic moment in it, mm-hmm. you'll have to ask him about the uh, the halftime show and if uh, if the people in the stadium were as enraged as the people on the internet. Mm. Everyone had a lot of stuff to say about that mo- uh, that show. Yeah, I, um, I saw glimmers of hot takes. Talking about nipples. And Maroon 5 being the new Nickelback. But it's like Maroon 5 has always just been a bad band, right? Yep. Well, they were always bad. It's funny, though, because, like, Adam Levine is a total chud kind of guy. And uh, apparently someone asked him about all that stuff. And he was like, they're just jealous because they wish they were as cool as I was. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, that's actually, like, like a direct quote. Sounds well, like whatever. Some, that sounds like something you'd say. Hey, you know, I actually saw Janet Jackson's nipple on live TV. I was watching that as a little kid. Wow. And I was like, what is that? And, and look, what, you, what, what is that? What is that? Why is there a star around it? I'm so confused. So that is a double standard, and maybe he should be uh, pro- uh, maybe, prosecuted. Maybe he should have his nipples cut off? Well, you said it. Hey, RJ. What? We're not watching that pigskin being thrown around for one last Woo! time. What you been creeping on this week? I got a few movies for you, Jarrett. I got a few things I can talk about. Which one do you want to hear about first? Mm, I don't know. You can tell me about the cremators. You want to hear about the cremators, baby? Uh, so this is, uh, I think I've mentioned before, Amazon Prime is like a total piece of shit for movies, but it does have a few uh, in Canada, at least, it, it sucks real bad. But it does have a few hidden pockets of uh, movies that appeal to me and my interests. Uh, and when if you look up the poster for The Cremators, you're like, ooh, shit. I think you can tell why uh, I'm interested in it. It's like a town that's on fire. There is a girl and her clothes are burning and it's just fire everywhere. And here's what the poster says, Jarrett. From the sun come the fire people to incinerate all mankind. The Cremators... And then the slogan, great balls of fire, scorching, ravaging, 
in golfing. <laughs> pretty sounds pretty cool, eh? Hey, guess what? It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie has an awesome poster, and it sounds wicked cool. Uh, this is this is a very strange movie. Um, the uh, the short of it is it's super boring, and it's not interesting. But there's a lot more complicated stuff going on in this movie. So it starts, and there's like this beach bum hippie, and he's running on the shoreline, and it cuts from him to like uh shots of like animals like jellyfish and stuff and you're like oh is this where uh the inspiration for birdman came from how interesting and then it'll cut to like the huge ball of fire in the sky and you're like that's kind of cool and then it'll cut to the beach bum and then eventually it gets to the point where this guy has a cat and he's just holding it like from under the front two arms and he's running on the beach and he's just kind of like lifting it up in the air a little bit and then back down and then up in the air and back down. And this happens for like five minutes and you're like, what is going on with this thing? And then it kind of like ends on a freeze frame of this guy looking at this cat on the beach. And then it's like the cremators and you're like, uh, where (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty confusing because you're like, um, it's a, it's a good cold open, I guess. Let's, uh, let's keep going. So the, the the plot of this movie, Jared, is there's this like geologist, science, smooth scientist guy who lives on the beach, uh, and he's found these rocks that like glow. Um, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, commented that he uh, he thought these were JO crystals. So some people out there might know what those are, and I can confirm that they are, uh, and I'll explain that later. Uh, but they're these rocks that glow, and then you'll see him looking at these rocks, and then it'll cut to the ball of fire and it'll be like and you're like oh that's cool i wonder where that is right now but you never really see it do anything uh a couple times there's two parts in this movie there's like a guy and a girl where the big fireball does come down and it kind of just rolls over someone and it just leaves ash behind uh and i actually think that as an alien design i think that's really cool the idea of just like a big ball of fire because i like um I like the aliens that aren't humanoid because I think those are a lot more interesting and harder to to do well or make them cool. Uh, but you only see that thing twice in this movie, so that's or two or three times in this movie, and that's kind of a huge bummer. Uh, but it takes out the geologist um, after he packages up these rocks to send to someone else. Um, and some town people find the rocks, and it's like a sheriff and a doctor – and some other dude who just finds it and they're like talking about it and they're like well what's in that jar and it's like it's just some rocks and they're like hmm i guess we'll never know what happened to him and it's like maybe he had it coming because he's a scientist and like they say stuff like that and you're like oh that's weird um but their conversations go on for so long uh like this movie is actually only 70 minutes long which is why I watched it. But it feels way longer than that because there's these real stretched out scenes of these uninteresting townspeople talking about these rocks that they don't know. They don't know anything about it because they're not the scientists. They're like, hmm, I wonder what's up with this rock. Yeah, hmm, I guess we'll never know. Uh, uh, There's a lady here too who gets the classic uh, um, belittlement from all the men. There is an... There is an overly stretched scene 
where it's two guys talking on like ham radios and she's listening on the other end and they're making fun of her like ruthlessly uh and she's listening and you can see that she's getting like bummed out the one guy's like oh she bought that dress to impress you you know and he's like hey women is women you know they they be buying dresses all the time like uh, you can't stop them they're insatiable with their dress buying uh and you you get kind of bummed out and then you see like the big ball of fire is like creeping up on her and she's trying to call them but she can't get through because they're talking about her making fun of her and that's actually kind of like that's kind of a scary thing i guess or that's a a nice little like horrific thing to have in this movie she gets out though so she's fine uh you later have do uh the so the guy who's like not the scientist He's the guy like making fun of this lady and he's trying to figure things out. And then he finds like dead animals and he's he does animal autopsies on them. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like why they they like played off. It's like, well, this dog was near where we found those ashes of that car. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, maybe it's related. And it's like his stomach was singed. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like this is you could have done that in a better way, you guys. Uh, and then. The big climax is that like the rocks bring on these balls of fire and uh, the beach bum comes back and you find out that he has had these rocks and they put on like black light and he holds up his hands and he has like (laughs) it's like neon paint all over his hands to show that he was touching these rocks and it, it looks like I don't know it's like you know those you know those videos of like the black light when you're at the hotel room. And it's like stuff like that. That's what his hands look like. And they look like jerk off crystals because he's like touching them all the time. And his hands are all weird. It's it's a weird movie, Jared. Uh, it's not very good. Uh, and I don't recommend you watch it. I will take that under advisement. <laughs> Does that sound like it interests you in any way? No. Good. All right. <laughs> Do you want to hear about Prince Avalanche? Sure. Or should I save that for later? I don't know. What do you think? Mm. I've got a couple of these uh, DGG movies to talk about. Hmm. Well, let's let's wrap for a minute. Uh, I do think there is a a bit of overlap between this movie and George Washington in themes. Uh, Just themes, though. Like I could talk about the movie briefly here, and then we could I could bring it up again later if you want. I don't know. What What do you think, Jarrett? Uh, tell me about mid-90s. Mid-90s? All right. So mid-90s is that hit movie by Jonah Hill. You know Jonah Hill, Jared? I'm aware of him. You're aware of him? Uh, so this was his uh, directorial debut, I think. This is an A24 film as well? This is an A24 film, correct. Uh, and... Um, this movie got a lot of buzz on the festival scene because uh, people were like, hey, man, it's a pretty good movie for uh, this dude who just made a movie for the first time. Who's also uh, a like really big Hollywood actor. Big actor, yeah. And it's, uh, I think, like semi-biographical. Uh, I remember the big sell on this was that Jonah Hill uh, just like hung out with Martin Scorsese a lot when he was planning this movie and like just – Got a bunch of advice from him and all that. That's what he was talking about. Like during the when, uh, Wolf of Wall Street? No, I guess it was after the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Uh, Scorsese, at Big Marty, actually hung out with Jonah Hill. Allegedly. 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 So uh, I, I remember going into this 
that was like the thing that stuck out to me. I was like, that's a weird thing to comment. Is is this like a Scorsese movie or something? Or is it just to lure people in? And I would say it's the uh, the latter on that. But um, mm-hmm. So Mid-90s is actually pretty good. Uh, I liked it. It, is, it follows basically young Jonah Hill. He is like a 12-year-old kid who's navigating the, the mid-90s, Jared. Uh, and he doesn't really, he's got an older brother that picks on him a lot, uh, but he looks up to, he's got a single mom who works a lot. So she's not really home to be around him and he doesn't really know where he fits in. Uh, and then he stumbles upon the skater scene and a hip skater dudes. Oh, this is all like in, I think like the Palo Alto area. Okay. It's in California. Okay. Um, so he stumbles on the skater dudes, uh, and they accept him into their group. Uh, you have a uh, medley of guys. You have the one who, the kid who's just a little bit older than him, who's super poor. You have, uh, and then you have a bunch of guys that are way older than him, like 17, 18. Uh, one of them has dreadlocks. He's kind of, he's kind of like from a rich family, and he skateboards just for the hell of it to like kill time. And then you have the uh, the urban 17-year-old guy who uh, talks about trying to get out of the ghetto because uh, – and he's trying to practice skateboarding so he has something to get out to because he's not just killing time like the rich kid. Uh, but they all get along and they're all friends. So uh, your main character, he starts hanging out with these kids. Uh, you see them laugh together, Jared. You see them cry together. together. You see them love together uh but he starts getting into some serious shit he's drinking malt liquor he's smoking weed he's doing adderall he's throwing his life away he's throwing his life away uh you get some you actually you get some nice moments i think one thing that they do well is they kind of paint that in a good picture not like substance abuse but uh the influence of it and then i guess like the people who are like immune to it almost like the the older skateboarding dude um who he looks up to he's kind of always like trying to tell him he's like what are you doing that for he's like you don't need you don't need to like drink and shit because he's trying to get out so he's like he's telling the younger kids he's like you don't have to really do that but it doesn't i don't think it comes off in like a cheesy way where it's like hey man don't do drugs uh i actually thought it it played pretty well um, so he's doing that, uh, but then his his mom finds out and his brother finds out. His brother is a spaz kid. Jarrett, do you know about spaz kids? I've, I've heard you use that term many times. So what I would def- define as spaz kids, I'm not talking like, I know in England, I think spaz has some kind of super derogatory uh, weight to it or something. But here in our part of the world, uh, we would refer to spaz kids as the ones who would get very easily like, upset about something so it'd be like you would flick their ear and they would like freak out and like punch a wall and then like leave and you'd be like oh why'd that kid spaz out on me <laughs> maybe that is derogatory i don't know well, well, well you, you flicked them in the ear well it, I, I just use that as an example it, it would also be something like you'd be like can i use your stapler and you'd be like oh it's out of staples and then they'd be like oh and they'd like flip a chair there you go yeah um so his brother's like a spaz kid, and uh, at any opportunity, his brother like beats him up. Uh, played by Lucas Hedges or whatever that guy's name is, the yeah. guy who was in like nine Oscar movies last year. Um, 
So he's being told to like stay away from those friends, but he doesn't, and he continues to hang out with them. Uh, and then things get a little worse, uh, but then you see kind of the interplay for other people. Anyways, that's what the movie's about. Uh, I actually think it's pretty good. Um, I don't think it's like... It's not an amazing movie. I think maybe if you were if you were like a, a young teenager and you kind of didn't really feel like you f- were fitting in, this might this movie might really speak to you. Uh, and it does have like an, a lot of nostalgic bits. I don't feel like it ever gets to the the pandering. Like it's not like Stranger Things, I think, where it's a little too heavy at sometimes. Um, it is there is a lot of it though. Like he's wearing Beavis and butthead shirts. He's playing super Nintendo all the time. There's like Ninja turtle stuff all over. So it is there, but I didn't think it was too bad. Um, one thing that I think this movie does uh, really well actually though, is the relationship between, uh, the main kid and his older brother. Uh, I related to that a lot where it's kind of like, I think the opening scene in this movie is actually probably like the best scene in the movie where, uh, you see like the brother beat up the uh, the older brother beat up the little one and then it kind of cuts to the next day and it's the older brother leaving for something and he's like stay out of my room but as soon as he's gone the little brother like sneaks into the room and he's kind of like he like idolizes his older brother and he's just like looking at all his stuff and like wa- wowed by it he's like look at all this cool stuff like he's like my brother my older brother is the coolest guy jared mm. I know you're smiling, but you don't have an older brother. It's a brother thing, okay? No. I was wondering, like, uh, have you told Louie how you feel? Hey, shut up, okay? <laughs> this is a universal thing that younger brothers, I think, idolize their older brothers, okay? Okay. Most yeah. of the time. <laughs> All right? Settle down. <laughs> but anyways, I think on the, the flip of that, I think they show a lot of good things uh, too, where it's like the older brother beating the shit out of the little, little brother mm-hmm. and just like running away uh, because that's what it is too. So I think like the sibling uh, dynamic, uh, I think he nails that really well. And then the other thing that I think is kind of cool is so when we were watching this, Andy was doing some, uh, she likes to see what movies are about, like not movies, but like the people. So she was just reading like Jonah Hill's Wikipedia while we were watching this thing. And uh, she's looked it up before because she's mentioned I don't know if you know this, Jarrett, but when Jonah Hill was in, uh, when he was younger, he was in a car accident and his hand, his arm was hanging out the window of the car and the car flipped onto the side. His arm was hanging out and his arm was dragged across the street with the weight of the vehicle on top of it. And they almost had to like amputate his arm, which is like insane to think about that. He still has an arm. Could you imagine that? Like the weight of the vehicle. Anyways, there, there's like, there's artifacts of that in this movie as well. Like he, he, that doesn't happen. But um, the one thing that I think is really interesting is it's kind of like a loose story of him because he was actually from a rich family. But when he was a teenager, his mom got uh, diagnosed with cancer. And then he acted out where he became like a skater and did drugs and alcohol a lot. And then he got into the car accident and apparently that kind of turned him around. So the cool thing about this movie is like uh, that Andrea pointed out actually is um, and it's not anything groundbreaking like this is this is what people who make movies are. They um, each one of the characters in his like skateboarding group is kind of 
uh, has one of his attributes of, of him, like, but they're full-bodied versions of that, if that makes sense. So I think like filmmakers or creators, writers, artists, they put a little bit of themselves into like their characters or their stories. And so this one's kind of cool because it's just like the group of kids he hangs out with. Like one of the kids is the rich kid, and that was kind of him. One of the kids is uh, like the kid who doesn't fit in, and that was part of him too. One of the kids is this and then that and so on and so forth. Like I said, it's not like the most groundbreaking thing, but it it's a, I think he does it well. So mm-hmm. mid nineties. Um, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I think you would like it. Um, I don't think you would be amazed by it or anything like that. Cause it's not like, it, it ain't going to blow your dick off. Where does one watch this mid nineties? You know what, Jared? Uh, I actually was going to tell you. Uh, I don't know how it would work. I might have to give you some personal details of mine, which I would pr- rather not do. But uh, last week or the week before when we went to Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. uh, we bought a combo, a popcorn and pop combo that came with a free movie rental. Mm. So on the Cineplex website, uh, I was cruising and uh, we came across mid-90s and I was like, hey, let's check this out. Uh I, I brought it up because I was like, that might fit in with the uh, George Washington creep of the week, which I, I actually having we watched George Washington the night before and then we watched mid 90s. And Andrew's like, so uh, what's up with you watching all these movies about teenagers coming of age or like growing up? And I was like, well, I didn't do it intentionally, but there is a, oh, some parallels. Anyways, if you wanted to watch mid 90s, I could maybe give you my details, mm. but you would have to watch it within the next 24 hours because okay. The rental, uh, I got it yesterday, uh, like around this time, and I think it's only good for 48 hours. Oh, it'll come to Netflix in its time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if I go see that ass movie at theaters this week, maybe I'll get that combo again and I can uh, rent another hit movie. Tight. Because I do like obtaining things legally. Yeah. So uh, if that's an option, I I prefer to do that. You like to play the man's game, huh? The man's game. Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, I liked mid-90s. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I could see some people being really into it, but at the same time, uh, I don't think it's, it's anything like that. But it's a good good movie. I think he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Save that Prince Avalanche talk for George sure. Washington. Okay. So I, I'm going to save my Joe talk, but I will talk about uh, a few things quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up is uh, is Netflix. Good old mm-hmm. Good old Netflix. So I watched about the about first it? 40 minutes of Roma. I haven't finished watching it. I'm going to finish watching it as soon oh. as I have time to do it. I thought but, you were just being weird. No, no, no. So uh, Roma, I see a lot of people talk about how this is like a sign of like what good things Netflix can do. And But okay. but I want to point out to people, Roma isn't a Netflix film. Um, it's it's uh, Netflix. Is distrib- was it acquired? It, it, it was acquired. It was it is distributed. Mm-hmm. Now I know that like we were just like with mid nineties. We I, I threw up my goal. That's an A twenty four film. I don't know if they actually produced it or if they just got the rights for it and distributed it, mm-hmm. and that got that A twenty four stamp. Uh, yeah. Roma though was uh, it's a uh, Mexican. It's like participation media and uh, uh, mm-hmm. Alfonso's uh, production company made this, and then Netflix acquired it at TIFF last year. Because um, it doesn't have the big Netflix stamp at the beginning of it, but people are talking about like, yeah, finally Netflix has figured it out. And I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> they <laughs> mm-hmm. they, just, they were like, hey, here's a movie, let's run with this one, and then they got the rights to it. As far as I can tell, maybe I've missed uh, something in the details, but I just want to throw that out there. Roma is mm-hmm. not a success story for Netflix because Netflix is also making Velvet Buzzsaw. 
So, uh, and that is an original uh, Netflix original, correct? That made my, that, for that, that is made with Netflix wanted this. They wanted a piece of that Dan Gilroy action. So uh. Dan Gilroy, we all know him. We all know that he made that Nightcrawler movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. And that movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good mm-hmm. movie. Um, he followed it up though with a movie that uh, no one talks about anymore. That uh, was it. Roman Israel. Esquire, uh, Israel Roman Esquire. Uh, no, it's like J Roman. Yeah, exactly. Jesus, what that, is that? That, guy movie, is that movie with Denzel Washington. That uh, mm-hmm. That's Dan Gilroy's uh, follow up to Nightcrawler. And no one seems to even know that. I just, so Roman J Israel Esquire. Uh, I just remember last year when Denzel got nominated for it, everyone was like, wait a minute. What is Roman J Israel Esquire? And why is Denzel Washington nominated for this movie? Where did this come from? Yeah. Anyway, is that your point? Yeah. So no one talked about that movie. It came and went. And it's funny because mm-hmm. like, people are like don't even realize it. And I didn't realize it. Uh, and then Velvet Buzzsaw emerges. And it's like, hey, Dan Gilroy, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, they're back mm-hmm. together. And they're making a horror movie, RJ, on, mm-hmm. on, on Netflix. How's that sound? It sounds like it's my... Oh, what's it about? Can you oh, define horror? It's it's about uh, it's about, a, about killer paintings and such. Mm, that sounds weird. So this is a movie uh, that is a, a satire, which is, you know, one of my favorite words uh, yep. that doesn't get used and abused and like misused constantly because this mm-hmm. is a satire of the art world, RJ. <laughs> but it's also, oh, but it also does horror. Um, I watched 25 minutes of this. That was tough. That was a very tough watch. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I had Chanel, uh, watch it. I'm like, you tell me how far you get into this. She lasted about 10 minutes, which is about when I had nice. the feeling about turning this thing off because this movie sucks. It is mm. so, like the, the biggest of, offense to it. Okay. Number one, the opening credits are something right out of a TV show, a Netflix TV show. It doesn't sure. feel, it doesn't feel like a movie. It doesn't feel cinematic at all. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it starts in uh, a Miami art fair. So there's something about Miami light that just like, I think of Dexter and, uh, I'm just like, Oh, and then the writing, I can hear the clatter of the keyboard, uh, as the writers is coming up with these <laughs> witty lines that are just like, it's like no human being has ever said that. Mm-hmm. this is shit this is like someone's idea of what the art world's like like via <laughs> movies and tv shows but no one who's ever actually worked in those um it's so unobserved it's so clunky uh john malkovich of course uh, pops up uh because he has to show up in these like these art world satires like art school confidential uh, does he need money or like because he's in a lot of he's, shit. He's an actor. He just loves it. He loves acting, like mm-hmm. actors do. Rene Russo's in it. Uh, all, all delivering just like horrible dialogue and yeah. scenes. Jake Gyllenhaal. So he's a an art critic. Uh, he's like gay, but maybe he's not. So he's maybe he's playing with his, he's <laughs> playing around. He's, with, not. he's playing with his bisexuality and okay. like so yeah you know because it's the art world. Um, and uh, there's a there's a young woman um, who's like an assistant for a mover and shaker art dealer played played by Rene Russo. They're at the art fair. There's some crazy looking phantasm sphere thing that people put their arm into. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like pissing the wrong people off, and uh, 
she kind of like someone in some old man in her apartment building dies and she goes and explores the uh the apartment uh after he's dead because she hears like a weird cat sound and she finds all these paintings that have people's images on them and it has their deaths and then they die that way i think is kind of how it would continue mm-hmm. on i just like this stunk to high heaven um i've seen people being fairly generous with this and i don't know like not even like being overly generous. They seem to be like, okay with it. I don't know. So my like full-time job is dealing with art stuff and art world stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm, I'm around this stuff often. And uh, I mean, po- poking fun at this stuff, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Like it's so easy. Yeah. And uh, watching someone that like, I don't feel like they have a very good handle on this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Do it. You're just like, it's just cringy. Like it's not, not like oh I take offense to this. It's like no, you you can do this, but this is like the like the cruddiest way to do it. It's not yeah. smart. It's not funny. I'm. It just has that weird self awareness to it. Uh, it was embarrassing, frankly. Uh, and uh, the I guess the less said about it now, the better. Let's move hmm. on. <laughs> hey, you should talk about Velvet Buzzsaw a little bit more. Oh well, my, I see. I thought I was like really being clever with my uh, letterbox review, saying that it's not about a pro wrestler. Sadly, because I, mm. when I when I think of Velvet Buzzsaw, I just think of like Bone Saw, Velvet Dream. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a wrestler. Mm. But uh, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Hey, you didn't mention uh, what's your. Uh, What's your take on Roma? I want a definitive oh, um, well, take right like now said, on whether okay. it's good or not. Well, 40 minutes in. So 40 minutes in. Um, so he, so uh, Alfonso Cron, he, uh, he shot this one himself, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. And you can tell that he is not this as good of a cinematographer as people he's worked with before. Mm. Um, I remember people like bitching about how uh, P.T. Anderson shot Phantom Thread himself. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was like, like I wouldn't even even thought about it because that movie's really well done. This movie's mm-hmm. not badly shot or anything like that, but uh, it's black and white. And I f- feel like I look at a lot of black and white images and stuff like that. Uh, and there's something to be said about contemporary stuff. Never looks quite as mm-hmm. good as it should. Um, but there's these moments like where it's like, it, it feels like it's losing me. And then like, there's Mm -hmm. these little things that happen all of a sudden, like these manifestations and you're like, really like, Oh, that was really good. And then it comes and kind of goes lulls back down and you're like, okay, I see what this is about. Uh, I don't know about that. But then it goes, Oh, really good. And then it kind of comes back down. So I'm like kind of curious because this movie is two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I've got a ways away to go. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you a follow up next week. Uh, You should, I should, I shall. Uh, okay. so the one movie I will talk out of, uh, the David Gordon Greens that I watched this week, mm-hmm. Pineapple Express. I had never, oh, I had never seen this fun. movie. I had never seen this movie before. It, uh, I know it has some of your favorite actors in it. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get there. Um, okay. so this has been on my radar for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the trailer being like pretty good. Like mm-hmm. it's got that MIA song, uh, Paper done, Planes. Yep. It's done very well. Uh, mm-hmm. but Pot humor is one of those things that, I don't know, I don't really care about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was always like, Meh. Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco. Mm. There's all these little signs. And Danny McBride, I've never been in love with Danny McBride. Um, so I, I was think like, it, the context for him really, really changes things. Like, he's good in some stuff, and some yeah. stuff you're like, to Danny McBride for this. Yeah. So, yeah, so this was like, I think this movie kind of was talked about at the time in the context of like David Gordon Green kind of going outside of like 
a movie like a George Washington or like all mm-hmm. the real girls, uh, other movies we'll be talking about. Where it's like, oh, he's like this like somber Terrence Malick kind of guy. And now he's doing this like goddamn pothead huge like stoner comedy. Mm-hmm. But like but it's like a crime movie and it's like kind of like, huh, no one saw that coming. And then he did it. And uh I don't know. I uh, was pretty ready to turn this off about five minutes in when my all-time nice. favorite comedian, Bill Hader, opens things up. Uh, He's only in like two minutes of this. Exactly. But, man, I was mm-hmm. I was like, man, if this is the writing we're getting for the rest of this shit, I'm done. Like, this, mm-hmm. this sucks because um, it's like black and white because the 50s and they're doing some military research on, like, the effects of marijuana on, like, milita- mm-hmm. on, on people. Um, and the jokes come in, oh, look, pot makes you do crazy <laughs> things. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm pr- it doesn't really work this way. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like th- this is stupid, but people who are like really into pot and like, you know, wear like leaves on their clothes and like mm-hmm. walk around in their pajamas and like <laughs> have Deadpool backpacks. Um, th- th- they're like, ah, it's so true. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not, it, it isn't like this at all. But yeah, so that was like right off the f- bad footing right there. Uh, then you get like this, like big old Seth Rogen driving around scene, him smoking up and you see him doing his job. It doesn't really mean anything where he's like handing out subpoenas to people. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's like weirdo America, um, and then you get introduced to uh, his drug dealer, uh, played by James Franco. Mm-hmm. And I will always say I am a I am a defender of James Franco. I think I think he's extremely underrated. I think he's very uh, talented. Um, mm-hmm. He says and does some silly things, but who doesn't? And uh, yeah. but I think on the whole, though, he's got a lot of upside, and uh, mm-hmm. people just like to shit on him because he's better than them. Wow. Yeah. What uh, what James Franco movies are you gonna watch now this week? None. <laughs> oh, you're but, not gonna watch that that movie he made of, about that Faulkner book. Was oh, it like all, uh, yeah, the F- Wrath and the Fury or whatever that S- Sound and the Fury, the Sound and the Fury? Is Didn't that, he make that? that? Well, I, yeah, he was he got into his literary phase. I did watch mm-hmm. uh, Child of God, the, his uh, Cormac McCarthy film. Ooh. Not, not uh, I, I want that the actual like idea of that story and the actual book itself are really interesting. And he just made a very uninteresting film about that. But hey, then he made Disaster Artist, which is which is okay, which is pretty good, pretty, pretty good, pretty good movie. So anyway, Pineapple Express, uh, things go haywire. Seth Rogen sees a drug deal, or actually not a drug deal. He sees a murder go down, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, just hijinks ensue. Uh, Danny McBride shows up. Uh, he's rocking that mullet. Uh, and I guess, like, Eastbound and Down came out at this around the same time as this? Around, yep. Yeah, so because this, so this, this is what David Gordon Green, like, spent a lot of time doing, was directing Eastbound and Down episodes, working mm-hmm. with his boy, Danny McBride, which, of course, climaxes into their working together on Halloween. Of course. Yeah. Which you did, didn't did watch. No, I didn't. That's okay. I can fill in that gap for yeah, you. Yeah, you, you did it already. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, Pineapple Express was fine. It's like, yep. it's no uh, MacGruber, which I think mm-hmm. is like uh, probably one of my uh, favorite dumb comedies of the last 10 years of this of this vein. It'd be like that or Step Brothers, uh, I, I think. Isn't Bill Hader in MacGruber? 
I don't. I'm just making baseless he, he, claims. Here. He could quite. He might very well be, but uh, it's got uh, Will in it, Will Forte, uh, and it's mm-hmm. got it's got WWE superstars. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that McGruber. <laughs> you like that McGruber? Yeah, and Pineapple Express was at the end of the day just like, oh, it was fine. It held my attention, and it was okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. That's all I'm going to say. I'll talk about Joe later you're gonna you're gonna let that one linger hey mm-hmm. i'm interested to know how that ended because uh we'll, we'll talk about it then but you know the point i checked out in that movie yeah i think we're, we so, all can figure that out well, yeah we're gonna talk about a theme that runs through uh david mm-hmm. gordon green's uh serious cinema but hey rj before we do that what what, what news you got this week apparently um stephen lang you remember him uh, apparently, Stephen Lang knows how uh, Avatar Five is going to end. Avatar Five. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's doing press for Avatar now, and he's talking about Avatar Five. To which me, which makes me wonder, what happened to two through four, and how are these still a thing that's going to be happening? You know, um, a couple weeks ago, Corey and I we were talking about uh, the Avatar movies. Like, when are those mm-hmm. actually coming out? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I There hasn't been a trailer or anything. I thought at one point they were going to be like sometime in the last few years and they'd do both movies in the same year. Nothing, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But I did see the other day uh, an Edmonton man was displaying <gasps> his avatar tattoos that cover his whole body. Wow. I don't know what you call those types. Avatars? I don't know. Um, could you repeat that? I didn't quite hear that. I think you did. I think you did, RJ. Oh, okay. Well, I hope someone out there recording this can uh, edit that into something else. <laughs> it's, it's being recorded currently. Uh, oh. So anyway, yeah. There, so there are people who are like there are stories about people being depressed. Like they, they are like diagnosing it. <laughs> like as people are like I want to go back to Pandora. Come on. Like it. This is oh, man. So I'm really curious if this is going to like have legs and people like there's like this undercurrent of people who are going to be showing up in droves for avatar two and three. I'll put it like this. I'm sure two will, because it'll be like, they'll build it up. It'll be matrix reloaded. They'll build it up and they'll advertise the holy fuck out of it and like market it. Right. Number two will be real big. But if number two is not what people want, then I guess like, obviously, but, you know, I'm pretty sure number two will be big just because. And then maybe number three will drop off. But hey, we'll see. Ter- Terminator 2, man. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Hey, did you hear that the Oscars are going to start handing out uh, the, the more unpopular Oscars during the commercial breaks this year? No. <laughs> really? Yep. So apparently, I don't know, things for like what, like sound editing and uh, costume will just go out during the commercial break. That's like such fucking bullshit. That's going to solve their problems. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care. We we actually know that no one cares about these things. So uh, we're just going to run it through. It's like, it's just whatever. Who gives a fuck about them? Yeah. Good point, Jared. I stand with you on that one. Yeah. Fuck fuck that shit. Yeah. All I'm going to say is I, I guess... I hope Roma wins, so I don't have to watch Green Book. Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you, you never know. Bohemian Rhapsody could win. Oh, man. Did, uh, there's like that story floating around last week that I guess like even though Brian Singer got fired, he's got mm-hmm. points on the movie and he stands to make like $40 million off of that movie. Of course. It's like, yeah. oh, good. It goes to the legal defense fund. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Hey, uh, RJ. What? They, uh, they've renewed Simpsons for a 31st and 32nd season. <laughs> well, it's about time. I know. We've all wanted that for so long. We have been clamoring for the further installments of The Simpsons. Well, I guess it kind of fits in with how I don't know how what kind of people want more avatars, but I don't even know who's watching The Simpsons anymore. I've been checked out for so long, like, you know? You know? Simpletons. Simpletons. Possibly, Jared. Possibly. Yeah. So this is what happens when we oh, uh, have no emails. The other day when you messaged me about uh, some guy in the hallway you overheard talking about like how it's oh. really sad when, when TV shows they watch get canceled. Did you oh. happen to know what they were talking about? No, I didn't hear it for that long, but I thought it was so funny because he was like, how did he phrase it? He's like, well, it just sucks. You know, when they cancel a show, like it really, it really meant a lot or it really spoke to me. It was just so fucking dope man and i was like wait a minute uh, but the, like the build-up to how he was talking i was like hmm, maybe this guy's talking about like a good show and then it was like it was just like so dope it was so rad and then he like walked away and i was like whoa was like what could he have been talking about he was talking about deadwood and he was talking about the forthcoming <laughs> deadwood movie i um i doubt it but uh, i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one he could have been how about that rj that deadwood movie huh I don't care. I never watched Deadwood. Oh, man. What? Deadwood's good. I don't have time for that shit. It's so dope. Next year, you're going to be telling me I should watch Rome, and then I should watch Six Feet Under, and then I should watch all of these old HBO shows. Was Six Feet Under HBO, or was that uh, Showtime? No, that was HBO. Showtime. Well, maybe if it's on that Crave thing, maybe I'll watch uh, all of these shows. Yeah, you should definitely watch. uh, Yeah, Rome's awesome. I think you'll dig that show. Uh, I don't know if you'll be a six feet under man. I don't know. No, I heard it was good. It is good, but I don't know if it's for you. Oh, well, they got real time with Bill Maher. Mm. Bill Maher. Uh, but yeah, Deadwood though. Ooh, you want, you want some writing, some writerly dialogue? Yes, you do. Cowboys and Indians. Hmm. Five seasons of uh, Six Feet Under on Crave. There you go. Yep. They even have Westworld and uh, Big Love. So is that Crave plus HBO? That that's the twenty bucks for both, though, right? That's twenty bucks both for a month. Yeah. How, how much is Crave by itself? Uh, let me see, Jared. Hey, I did look though when I was looking at this. They the movie selection was small, but they did have some new movies on here. Like, um, what was the one I I wanted to watch? Uh, the one that you hated, uh, first reformed. Um, I, I doubt I'll like it either, but oh, I saw that I it was know. on here and I was like, hmm. it's got your, your favorite movie. Um, ready player one. <laughs> Isle of dogs. Hi Sheridan. Hi Sheridan. Okay. Wait, let me see. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Okay. okay. All right. Do you got any other news? I'm getting nope, to it. I'm that's getting it. To it. Okay. Well, people can look up crave on their own time. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. All the Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right, uh, uh, after the break, um, I don't know. There, there's going to be a car crash, and then people could have died, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just walked away. I don't know. 
When did that happen in this movie? It happened. Did it really? When? In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. Karen, she's a silver sun. You best walk her away and watch it shining. Watch her watch the morning come. A silver tear appearing now. I'm crying. Ain't I? And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about George Washington from the year 2000, directed by David Gordon Green. The film's tagline, Down this twisted road, please watch over my soul, and lift me up so gently so as not to touch the ground. Um, okay. And the synopsis for the film from Letterboxd. Set in the landscape of a rural southern town, George Washington is a stunning portrait of how a group of young kids come to grips with a hard world of choices and consequences. During an innocent game in an abandoned amusement park, a member of the group dies. Narrated by one of the children, the film follows the kids as they struggle to balance their own ambitions and relationships against a tragic lie. So, RJ... This is a movie that's been floating around in my radar for, I don't know, 15 years. Um, and it's one of those movies that like I didn't really know what it was about. Um, mm-hmm. up, up until this week, I'd only ever watched one David Gordon Green movie, and that was the film Undertow, which was kind of like a southern gothic movie 
tr- like crime thing. I don't really remember too much about it. There seemed to be like a little bit of like interest and buzz in it at the time, but that's about it. And then he went on to like do like Eastbound and Down and Pineapple Express, uh, <laughs> which was much, mm-hmm. much, much to the surprise of like, I guess, of his like fans. Uh, and then Your Highness. Yeah, and then he threw a Your Highness in there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. That that uh, adored film from yep. all, from all reports, and uh, then he's kind of like kind of settled back into making uh, movies like George Washington, Your Prince Avalanches, Your Joes, Your Halloweens for Blumhouse. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I just like I don't know. Um, he's just no nothing he's made has really stood out to me. And I actually thought for some reason, George Washington based on the, uh, DVD art for this, I thought it was like a documentary about mm-hmm. like kids. Like I didn't really think about it be- much beyond that other than, Oh, Hey, th- there's a bunch of documentaries coming out like right after this film in the criterion list. It must be a documentary too, but it's not, it's a fictional film. So, uh, now that I've seen this movie, this George Washington, I can say, uh, this is maybe one of the biggest disappointments for me. Um, (laughs) I was, I don't know what I was expecting with this Mm -hmm. movie. Um, like I said, I, at the time, I remember when this movie came out, it came out the same year as Traffic. Um, Mm -hmm. this movie was on a lot of those same lists and this was like that window of time when Criterion was kind of getting these like new releases and like putting them under their banner, giving them that spine number, which is like kind of like a stamp of approval. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, every time I'd read this movie's description on paper, I was always kind of like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. Like nothing about this drew me in about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I mean, it was like, Hey, what a great time to finally watch it in, uh, this chronology. And yeah, watching this movie, I, I don't know why, why this movie's in the collection per se. Uh, maybe at the time people were really banking on David Gordon Green being the, like the fresh, hot young voice that was going mm-hmm. to like bring cinema together. But, uh, all I kind of saw was like this Terrence Malick kind of knockoff movie that like, I mm-hmm. guess came out in a time when like Terrence Malick films were like in short like appearance, like thin red line had come out like a few years earlier. And between that, it was like 25 years. So maybe it's like this idea of like, Hey, this is a a great lyrical way to make movies about life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, beyond like the obvious, like really pretty cinematography, I guess the Tom Moore uh, cinematography, I wasn't feeling this movie at all. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, thinking back on the story, what it is, how it's told, what it does, uh, it's a lot of like non-professional actors kind of being f- told to do scenes, and uh, a lot of the times they're just literally standing in the frame, talking to one another, doing their scenes, and there's like I don't know, there's nothing much to it, um, and some of the acting is just like kind of bad, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> but boy, is it. Nice to look at at times. What about Mark Brandanowitz? Did you think he was uh, acting good? <laughs> sure. Um, well, uh, Paul Paul Schneider. Uh huh. You don't? Do you know who I'm talking about? No. The guy who's on the moped shirtless. No. From Parks. Come, you you brought up his name like a week or two ago. <laughs> you did, not me. <laughs> In this movie. <laughs> yeah, you don't know Mark Brandanowitz. No. Paul, Sch- Paul Schneider? Is it Schneider or is it Schneider? Paul Schneider. 
Schneider. The How Did This Get Made podcast? No. <laughs> he, he's in like all your favorite movies. He's in like Assassination of Jesse James. He's in your favorite movie, um, The Daughter. Uh, he's in David Gordon Green's other movie, All the Real Girls. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, you just bring shit up and then I, I, and then you forget? Did I? <laughs> I, I you did. Did I? You did, not Man, me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> someone can maybe elaborate because I have no memory of what this is. Uh, anyway, uh, I saw like one review like on Letterboxd as I was kind of like boredly watching this movie, ma- mm-hmm. making a comment that like the, the thought they thought the best part was actually like when the uh, the female characters were on the screen, um, and I was like, yeah, there's like these scenes where it's like a bunch of the uh, girls are like, like kind of just like doing their hair and kind of like hanging out and just talking, and that part's like, yeah, that's pretty genuine, that's like pretty real, but the entire time I watched this movie, RJ, I was just thinking I could be watching Gummo instead. And gum, because gummo uh, is like it's, <laughs> I don't know, G- gummo is like rural horror in like this like weird genuine way, and I use that like loosely because I don't know how genuine Harmony Corinne is as a person. I would but, say not, but I, I don't know. I feel like he has a better grasp of this stuff, or at least does presents the, the material of like a trash humpers or a spring breakers of like people I don't want to spend any time with, but he presents it in like a really interesting way. And like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I felt like with George Washington, it's not like I didn't want to spend time with him. I just was like completely indifferent to what was going on. Uh, so yeah, you, you follow the story of like, there's this, uh, who's the voiceover narration of this? Like who's the actual kid? Which kid Mark is it? Brandano? It's, it's the, the lady. Yeah. 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 Like so, the girl kid. I can't. Right. So, so you have the day of days of heaven, female yeah. narrator check, um, t- talking over events, over shots of Not North Carolina, um, yeah, and uh, kids in train tracks, lots of lots of that sort of stuff, and um, people just scenes, scenes of people t- talking and chatting, and like you just be like, man, this life's pretty like there. I don't know, it doesn't feel like my childhood. Um, I don't know. I thought you were you would have related to this, to be in, honest. In so many ways, no. Yeah. I don't know, man. I was like busy, like in my uh, bedroom drawing comics on the floor and stuff like that. And weren't you a Northside kid? I thought you would have been hanging out by the the rail tracks and. I was like, even then, I was like, I don't know, looking at like Marvel trading cards and uh, mm. reading reading comics and stuff like that. I was a real a nerd, big nerd. Yeah. I was a nerd kid. I don't know. I wasn't getting up into. I wasn't hanging out in abandoned amusement parks, getting into shoving matches with my helmet because my brain, my brain cranium soft. Your skull wasn't fused. Uh, when that got brought up, we thought it was a sick burn. We we're like, oh, tight. Uh, and then, it, and then when it actually came back, Andrew was just like, oh, wait a minute. She's like, that's a plot point in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's where they're going with this. I was like, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So. This feels like one of those really underwhelming comics graphic novels. One of those uh, top shelf productions. Those things that mm-hmm. like get kind of critical praise because they're mature and they are mm-hmm. not genre things. But at the same time, you read them and you completely forget about them after the fact because it's just like it doesn't do anything. Uh, that's kind of what David Gordon Green films kind of feel like to me for the most part um, sure. based on the stuff I've seen now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to even think back to what stuff that weird, weird stuff that happens. So like when you get like the big moment described in the synopsis, when, uh, when the friend dies, buddy, 
when Buddy Bunny yep. Bunny's head gets caved in when he slips and falls on the sink edge, cracking his head open. You get the scene where he's like kind of wandering around and he's like, oh, he's okay. And then suddenly he's spazzing out, bashing up the, he's screaming and blood mm-hmm. just pouring out of the back of his head. And you're like, what the hell is <laughs> like that escalated? Well, and then uh, and now he's dead. And then it's like, oh, and then they dumped his body offhand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh, okay. They, they made a decision to hide the ball because they don't want to get in trouble. And uh, then we like, oh, the kids are all sad and feel guilty about it. That's real. Yeah, you'd probably feel pretty shitty about it. Mm-hmm. And then mysteries. And then he becomes a hero of this George Washington kid because he saves a, a drowning ginger child from a swimming pool. And then he starts dressing like a superhero in his, like, wrestling singlet and cape and helmet. All- was, that, was that something you did? Nope. Not outside, but like in your own house. Yeah. But those like shots of him like on the streets, it reminds me of like ads from the time, like very commercial like Mm. things like you can be anything you want to (laughs) be. And it's like for like a bank (laughs) or for like insurance or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, What a, what a odd film. I don't know. RJ, help me out here. What what did you think of George Washington? No, I think I'm going to let you keep talking. Oh, yeah. We're going to do something different this time. Uh, I'm going to let you gonna... voice my own opinion and then uh, I'm just going to listen. He's bre- he's he's speechless. Um, so this was a first watch for me as well. Uh, I've heard of this George Washington many, many times, uh, mostly uh, not because of the cover, like the cover I recognized, but uh, the shot of the kids in the car uh, transporting the dead body with the alligator mask on. Mm. Um, That's what I kind of remember or like thought about when I thought about George Washington. Uh, And I always knew it was in the criterion. So I always had that false, uh, false pretense that it it was for some reason very good. Uh, I think you get that a lot with like criterion movies where you're like, it's in the criterion. It's gotta be good. But uh, if this thing has taught this, initiative this endeavor has taught us anything it's that you know what they're not always good and sometimes you're like why is that in here um so i thought george washington was okay uh i think i didn't dislike it uh and i wasn't i guess i i kind of feel the same way you did like a little bit underwhelmed i watched it with andy and she she was basically just like, nah, I don't like it. She's like, there's nothing to this. And I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I think like when I was watching it with her, I was trying to stand up for it a little bit. I was like, well, cause she would like comment on something. I was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it leads to anything else. But then it kind of never did. And I was like, and then she's like, well, what does this mean? I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know anymore now. Like <laughs> That's the worst. Uh, I hate that question. It's, yeah. It's like, what does this mean? It's like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> well, not she didn't bring it up like in that sense, but it was like things that we were talking about while the movie was playing. And it's like she had some good points. She's like, uh, she's like, well, this she's like, I kind of think I know what this thing means. Uh, but then like something will happen. She'll be like, what? Is, or it's just like, what is that about? Like, what's <laughs> going on now in this movie? And it'd be like, I don't know. I really don't. Um, so I think George Washington's OK. Uh, I think it starts really strong. And then I think about a third of the way through the movie it is where we both got lost on it a little bit. Uh, so I actually like this start quite a bit where it's kind of like uh, how you said Harmony Koran and um, the gummos and the kids I heard gets brought up with the, uh, like connected to this movie a lot. Julian Donkey Boy? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) but so it's like the dirty, filthy side of the world. Um, but I like how it's built up in the start of the movie. Um, and there, there's a lot of dialogue that, uh, I actually thought was done really well. Um, where it's kind of real plain dialogue and it's repetitive. So there's a couple characters that keep going. I mean, he's like, well, I was down by the train tracks and I mean, we were doing this and I was doing that. And I mean, uh, and I find, I found that was very real and true to how people actually talk. Uh, cause I don't know if you've ever listened to any of this podcast. Uh, but what I found in some segments, if I've ever listened, uh, I'm very conscious of where you say like, where you say um and where you have those like filler words mm-hmm. uh and it, once you st- once you notice it then it's really hard not to notice it when you're listening to someone talk mm-hmm. so anyone listening to this podcast now will just be completely aware of all the likes ums and uh those things that we do but uh i kind of liked it in the dialogue at the start of this movie and it's kind of how you were saying that a lot of the people aren't really actors they're just talking to each other and i thought that built that up a little bit more was that dialogue where they're using those things. Uh, so I like that. I liked that at the start, but then I think it gets lost. Uh, like later there's really like deep insightful dialogue from these gutter kids. Uh, the blonde girl who doesn't say anything the whole movie. Uh, she's having that like bonding thing with the older kid mm-hmm. and she drops like, all this like super wise stuff on him. It's like, I can't even remember what it is, but I, I made a note of it because I was like, this is seems a little bit above this, uh, this kid who can't like talk. And the only presence in this movie was when they had shit on a stick and they were like, Ooh, and they were <laughs> it on a wall. So I was like, I'm not really sure where all this, uh, this wise, uh, talk came from it's this, uh, this somber self-reflective reflection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like the narrator does that too, which I find also mm. like you, you could look, look into that a little bit more. It's like, okay, well, is the narrator the actual character or is it someone outside of it? Uh, and I think in this movie, it's supposed to be actually her because she has a line that I actually liked where, uh, she says the grownups in this town were never kids. Uh, and I actually, I was like, oh, that's really nice. But then at the same time, it's parts of the narration later. It's like, mm, it's hard to believe that it's the character saying these lines because you see the character and then you have these big philosophical things. And it's like, this is a little bit above these people. And even like Mark Brandanowitz drops some of those when he's talking with George Washington, when they're like walking down the street mm-hmm. and he, he's like, uh, I can't remember what he's talking about. It's like the abyss or something like people trying to get away from fate or something like that. And then even that conversation ends really weird where it's like, you know, I just saw you were being a superhero and it's like, do you think I can help too? And then they're both like traffic monitor, like mm-hmm. people and watching it. You're like, where did this come from? Like, how does this fit into this movie here? Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, the intro. Yeah. So the intro, I think the first like half half an hour like the first third of this movie i liked more than the rest of it uh and i think the rest of it it kind of comes on a little too a little too hot and a little too heavy Jarrett. uh where there's things that you're just like wait a minute you're like what are they going for here i'm curious rj i mean have have 
have you not been raped by a dog when you were six years old? So this is the big one. Uh, <laughs> this dog rape scene. Uh, well, you, it's, it's, it's well, not the scene, the, yeah. the tale, yeah. the tale of dog rape. Uh, when this happened, Andy and I just looked at each other and she was just like, okay, hold up. She's like, this story aside, she's like, do you really think that this like semi borderline, uh, person or this person who has like a clear mental disorder do you think he would and, and like has all these things set up do you think he would choose the middle of the well not the middle of the night but do you think he would choose this young kid who lives with him to disclose all this super personal information like out of nowhere where it's it's like okay i'm gonna kill your dog because i got raped by a dog once but also i want to tell you that i'm really insecure about this and it's just my own personal insecurities that are doing this. Um, maybe, I don't know, but, uh, probably not. Uh, I don't, I don't know, Jared, what did you think of the dog rape scene? <laughs> I burst out laughing. <laughs> I guess I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know how, uh, you know how dogs, they rub up against your leg. Well, when I was six years old, dog got me down and just, and just, you know, went in town. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I'm so I'm scared now. Now scared dog. Now that's why I killed your dog. And now you're going to wear that skin of that dog. <laughs> See, okay. That, that's the one where, it, uh, that I, was the one uh, yeah. for me that I was just like, uh, what? N not even like the implications of wearing his dead dog on his head but <laughs> the idea that this guy who spends 10 hours or like 85 percent of his waking hours he spent he spends chopping wood <laughs> yep. that he would be able to like skin an animal process the hide and then stitch it together into like a pretty pretty nice looking hat and then it's like here man i'm sorry i killed your dog but I made you this hat, and I even popped on a little coonskin tail on the back there. You know, Davy Crockett now. Check it out. For your superhero. For you, for the superheroes. So, yeah, there, <laughs> there's a few things like that, Jared, that this movie, I think, really uh, overextends its reach a little bit, where it kind of really goes for it, and you're like, ooh, pull back, pull back, come on. I, I don't know. Well, you know, David Gordon Green, when he gets the opportunity to... to kill a dog he's gonna take it okay so is this something we should talk about now yeah uh, why do, not why not the, the only the only other bridge that i'll say because this kind of goes into i think a theme in a lot of his movies also other than animal abuse uh is the one thing that we noticed is that he kind of has this thing where he he's looking at growth through destruction and it's kind of subtle and it's not subtle uh, in George Washington, there's the ki kids playing in the abandoned like places and there's like trees growing through them and stuff. And it's like, oh, OK, whatever. That might not mean anything. But then I think in like Prince Avalanche, the entire movie is centered around like how a forest fire. It takes place in the 80s in Texas and how a forest fire like went through all, all these places. And then you have these people come in after the for forest fire is gone and they're like the first priority is painting the lines on the streets again and setting up like posts on the outside. So it's kind of, he does these weird things Ugh. where it's like, <laughs> that's what that movie's about. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you, but, oh, uh, do you, but with, with Paul Rudd is Mario, Mario. 
Mario, Mario. So yeah, Prince Avalanche is about it's 80s Texas, and it was when there was this huge forest fire that went through. And then you meet Paul Rudd and uh, Fat Emil Hirsch. Um, I, I like Emil Hirsch actually. I think he's pretty he's pretty good in this. Uh, I liked him in Into the Wild, uh, and he's he's both Emil Hirsch and Paul Rudd are good in Prince Avalanche. I think Paul Rudd is a little miscast because he's he's playing a real serious guy. And there are moments of goofiness, and you're like, oh, there's Paul Rudd. Uh, but anyways, so they're, they're there, and they paint on, like, the median lines and the road, and then set up posts on the outside. So it's this weird thing about, like, how nature destroyed the area, and then people come in to, like, build up from it. And I think that's, like, part of a theme in George Washington as well, where there are these things where it's, like, these dirty neighborhood kids and what wow. they're trying to anyway this might be overreaching but hey hey you know what else is a theme of Ga- david gordon green's uh casual animal abuse uh wh- which ones did you notice uh so in prince avalanche uh there is there's like there's two moments of it where uh Paul Rudd is cooking. He's cooking like turnips and then he goes to like a frying pan. And I think you're supposed to believe that it's a rabbit. Uh, I looked it up and in the credits, it says that it was a rabbit, but it's like a skinned animal in a frying pan and he flips it over and it is 100% a cat. 100%. Because there's even a moment where Paul Rudd's talking about how he used to have a cat, but it died. And then like two scenes later, he's like cooking this thing with this huge long tail, but it's skinned and it has no head. So I think, I think they're trying to say that it was a rabbit, but it is a hundred percent a cat, which is like, why is that in this movie? What does that have to do with fucking anything? Do you think Paul Rudd would be okay with that? I don't think he would be okay with that. Mm. And that's what I, I, Hey, has Paul Rudd been in any other David Gordon green movies since this one? <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, but I don't know how many actors are in lots of, other than Danny McBride. <laughs> Other than Danny McBride, yeah, good point. Well, I guess uh, J- uh, James Franco. Yeah, but then there's also you see a t- uh, like a big tortoise walking around in this movie, and then at a different point, it's like roadkill on the highway, and there's a skunk eating it, and it's like, what is your what kind of metaphor? What metaphor or like what do, what are you going for here? What is the symbolism to this dead tortoise being eaten by a skunk? I don't get it. So there's that, and then I think you have some of your own examples. Well, well, but I... well over in Joe, <laughs> mm-hmm. with with uh, with Mandy's own Nick Cage, um, he you get to see him like dress a deer, hack yep. off a nice slice of steak, and that's a full on deer. I don't know, unless it's a cat. Um, mm-hmm. You seem to I don't know maybe you'd see a cat. I think it was just a deer, but. Uh, there is definitely the uh, bit that I was like, oh, this is the part. I remember when RJ, when he watched this movie, said he just stopped watching because uh, mm-hmm. it's Nick Cage. He's a he's a dog lover to a to a certain extent because he has got a, his dog. He, he's got his big old dog, and uh, but he likes to go over to this brothel, and mm-hmm. uh, they've got this like German Shepherd or something like that that yeah. like barks at him. And he, like apparently he just he just can't get off when that dog's barking. So. Uh, there's a whole build to his character getting really angry and frustrated at the world. And he decides, uh, because this dog won't be put away to go back to his house, go get his dog and sick his dog on that dog while he bones down upstairs. And when he comes down, that other dog's dead and he gets his dog and it's like off and running. And, uh, it's like, Oh, (laughs) good times. Like 
when, when I was talking about this movie to you before, I was like, yeah, I, I actually kind of like this movie until that point. See, because I, I was I just like, even liked, I didn't really like this movie though either. Like, yeah, there, but it's, it's, just, it's like there's something like David Gordon Green's subject matter is just not interesting at all to me. The way he presents it, what his interests are in those things, he just mm-hmm. doesn't do it in any way that I find merits my time. Like I, there's like I guess again I'd be like I should be watching Gummo right now instead. Like there's just other things. Yeah, like, I, I I can see yeah. why you. And let's not like this like because like even like I'm trying to think of movies that are like yeah this rural gothic sort of stuff like uh, Winterbone. Um, that sure. Movie, that movie was good. I like that. I mean, I watched it once. Would I watch it again? Mm, unlikely. But I remember being fine with it. But I don't know. Maybe if I watched that movie now, I'd be like not as interested just because it's just like a story I don't. I'm not interested in. And that's kind of like the weird thing when you're uh, uh, tasked with watching movies is sometimes you're going to come across a movie that like, just like doesn't interest you at all. And especially contemporary mm-hmm. movies where there's like less, cause it's like you're in that time and it should speak to you in that way. But if it doesn't, it doesn't, but like given time, maybe it'll like turn into sort of like a historical object of that period of time. But like, we're looking at this movie's 20 years old in a year. And, yep. uh, I mean, it feels very contemporary. It's still like George Washington. I was talking about, um, uh, it feels like yeah. this is the, someone would make this movie today with, I think this movie had like a budget of like $82,000. Um, oh, is that it? That's all. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing much crazy to it. I mean, beyond the way they shot it and stuff like that, they don't have any big names or anything like that. He shot it all on his own and on locations and stuff like that. Probably where, uh, they probably lacks, uh, shooting, uh, permits and stuff like that. If you even mm-hmm. need them, you're just like, Hey, North Carolina, we're shooting this movie here. And they go, Oh, thank you so much. But we're going to depict scalp, like dog skins and, uh, children being killed by accident. And <sighs> it'll be a good time. Come to North Carolina. Well, that isn't like, is Joe take place in North Carolina, Texas, Texas. I so he's got his Texas. Yeah. He, well. moved, he, he moved down further South. But so why does why does Texas have such casual animal abuse also? Because it's like I, it Texas. just doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like I know I I get on this I get too hung up on this stuff, but especially in like these kinds of movies, like I I understand why people feel like they need to include that in horror movies, which I disagree with, but I I kind of understand it. But for these movies, I don't really get it at all. Where. To me, it's like, why why have this scene where Nick Cage is like, that dog's an asshole, and he like brings his own dog to kill it. It's like, why is that in this movie? Why is that here? Why does George Washington have a whole like buildup to this like poor dog that gets fed do- gummy bears, and then his uncle kills it, and he's like, but you know what? I made a hat out of it for you. Here you go, bud. And then you're like, uh, okay. But there's a lot of stuff in George Washington I, I don't really understand, like... Why does a kid have uh, an unfused skull? It, like <laughs> it happens, it's a plot, RJ. It's a plot point. Yeah, I know, but so you have him. You have the kid in the neck brace, mm-hmm. and then you have the girl who's like rubbing shit on walls. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, I know that these these people exist in real life, and I understand and they all that exist simultaneously, all simultaneously in the same town. But I I don't know. Some of it, it's like I said. Some of it comes on a little too hot and heavy where you're just like, hmm. And then you get like some of the other symbolism things that like look very pretty uh, because it is shot nice. Like you said, that uh, quasi uh, quasi 
um, like fake Terrence Malick type stuff. Uh, like the scene where the hat is on fire and it's like slow mo stuff and there's fireworks and there's all sorts of mm. shit. Like, oh no, wait. Yeah, this movie had fireworks, right? Mm, yeah, because it's 4th of July. George Washington, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's like stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that, that all looks great. Like, I think some, some of those scenes where, like, I think where he sees his dad also, and it's kind of thought it was a dream sequence maybe i don't know uh but all that stuff looks it looks awesome but i don't really he think does, there's anything underneath like i don't not even like it's not like even a shallow presentation i think it's just like here you go which is mm-hmm. fine to a point too like i think isn't that what david lynch always says he's like my stuff doesn't mean anything but i think david lynch is just playing coy when yeah. he says things like that yeah jerking us around yeah actually but like also like david lynch it seems like uh david gordon green was also kind of into these moments of like real like kind of violence or like just like Mm -hmm. unexpected because um because joe's got like the scene where uh ty sheridan's dad just like beats the man's head in with like some like rebar or something like that to get his whiskey from him and it's like he just keeps bashing his head in over and over and over again you're kind of like good like it's one thing mm. for him to do a murder and then it's like oh but like they really linger on that and then like in george washington yeah the scene where uh buddy's dying and freaking out on the bathroom it's like kind of like comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere and you're kind of like oh that's like it's like it's going for upsetting but it's yeah. kind of like hmm it's very self-conscious of that fact well even like prince avalanche it, it doesn't get that yeah that much but uh because we had just watched george washington we, I thought it was going to because Prince Avalanche. It's it's actually not bad. That's probably one of the movies I like of his more than others. Uh, and it's kind of it's just about like guys talking to each other. So it, it has some funny bits, but there are scenes where it gets like it goes too far for a little bit. Like Paul Rudd does stuff, which which is part of the reason why I feel like he was miscast in that where it's like so out of character where he'll like go and he'll like punch Emil Hirsch a bunch and then like break his shit in his watch and then like leave. And you're like, uh, okay. Or there's like a scene where he's chasing him with like a wrench through the woods. And I thought I was like, Oh shit. I was like, I bet he throws that thing and it cracks open Emil Hirsch's head because that's the kind of stuff that David Gordon green likes to like throw into his movies for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. He, he does like dip into violence. Yeah. He's, he's all into that toxic masculinity. RJ. <laughs> is that what Halloween is about? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that's why he got the job for those like really gruesome, violent bits in Halloween I've heard about. I think it's mostly he's just he's treading water now, so he's just doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he he gets that paycheck. Yeah, like because I I don't know I David Gordon Green and Danny McBride don't strike me as the kind of people that were so passionate about Halloween that they're like we have to make our own version of this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was maybe presented to them and they're like. All right, mm. we could. But. I'm just talking out of my ass now, but yeah. you know, what else is new? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what else is? Um, but yeah, so this kind of like seals the deal for me as far as like not really ever wanting to watch a David Gordon Green movie again because uh, just not for me. Not for me. Are you saying that you are not gonna watch Your Highness? Uh, correct. Okay, wait, but you will eventually have to watch Halloween though. Mm, no. Will I though? 
Yes. You know, I've never watched uh, Friday the 13th or the Nightmare on Elm Street remakes. So I would watch both of those over the, the Halloween remake. Well, there you go. i got to start somewhere. But I, I'm, I, feel, I feel like you should watch all three of those so you can catch up to the rest of us. And, and big and there's big like, boys. And the new Leprechaun. <laughs> no, not that one. That's uh, fine. That's fine. Okay. But I, like the other ones, this is a total different tangent. But like Jackie Earl, Jackie Earl Haley was good as Freddy Krueger. And that Friday the 13th, that remake was ridiculous. But it had a few moments. But Halloween, ooh, baby, those podcast journalists. Ooh. Nobody likes podcasters, Jared. Nobody. You know who doesn't like this movie? A few people, I'm quite sure. Yeah, some people. Yeah. Well, who hates George Washington? Film musician Mike? Film music. Oh, okay. I think it's like it's five different words and they share letters so it's not supposed to be one so it's film Fum, film and then music, the end is used cinemic. again music yeah. film music cinemic in yeah one star i really couldn't care for plot if a film is solely based upon atmosphere but george washington didn't really excel in any of that sorry i really don't care uh you know what i don't care for Film music machine Mike's uh, five star movies that include three billboards <laughs> over Ebbing, Missouri, outside Ebbing, Missouri. Remember how people keep talking about that? Everybody wants some. A movie that I still hold is not a good show. Uh, this person likes a lot of, he's got Phantom Fred, uh, whoever they are, Phantom Thread, Silence, Aguirre. But uh, they also, I think they're pretty hot and loose with these uh, these big ratings. We should, we should make a movie called Phantom Friend. Phantom Friend? Yeah. That would be a cool movie. Phantom Menace, Phantom Thread, Phantom Friend. Would it be about how you just, like, ignore me all the time? Yeah. Oh. Uh, you, you send me all these texts wanting to hang out all the time, and I just don't I, respond. I send you a lot of dank memes, and you, you hardly ever comment on them. Oh, man. I can't even talk about the things that you send me. But why? I can talk about Richard, who gave sure. uh, George Washington one star. Several reviewers have compared this film about a group of kids in small town North Carolina to works by Malick, which is probably why I didn't like it very much. It felt so mm-hmm. forced. Dialogue, acting, cinematography, ellipsis. <laughs> it's like a, they, just, they just fell asleep while writing it or something i don't know you know what i think is funny they're talking about things that are forced but they have a five-star review for fight club they have a five-star review for greece they have a five-star review or a five-star rating for the revenant they have a five-star rating for captain america civil war Ooh. talk about forced jarrett <laughs> Dogma. Dogma has two stars for this and has a lot to say. What makes a scene captivating to a viewer is one of the most important questions we can ask about film. As Hollywood has evolved, shots themselves have become much shorter in an effort to grapple with our dwindling attention spans and to speed up the velocity of a narrative. But movies don't necessarily work like that. A talented filmmaker can make a scene with long takes interesting. Long Still, takes can make for a much closer viewing experience, but not necessarily and and less engaging one. Slow cinema is a thing, 
and like its name implies, mm-hmm. it's an inversion of contemporary Hollywood thinking that is more is more. Enthralling works have little to do with the length of the cuts or speed of the editing. But then what keeps our attention? What makes some movies work and some fail? David Gordon Green's George Washington has a really great script and has some fantastic <laughs> shots in it. But both the directing and acting keep from being an above average film. It is by no means slow cinema but it is a slower paced movie. I just want to make clear that this is not why the film is not terribly successful. It's unsuccessful because it's not terribly interesting to watch. Wow. (laughs) This is something. Um, It's 90 minute running time feels much longer than it should. And that's with the inciting incident of the film, not hitting until 36 moves. It's 36 minutes into the movie. I'm just at a loss for what specifically would have saved George Washington. It's the ethereal magic that great filmmakers have captured in countless other films. <laughs> that, um, that, that spark of creativity and mastery that makes a work undeniably effective. It's just missing here, unfortunately, and I was left with an unfulfilling experience. I'm feeling pretty unfulfilled also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dogma likes a lot of Criterion movies, okay. Jared. Lots of them. Uh, so you can't really glean much from that. But what I think you can glean from their ratings is that they only have three movies rated one star. There are some obvious movies. Epi- uh, star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. There is Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. But their third and o- uh, only other one star rating is to Hit me with little movie. Little movie from the Cohen brothers, Jarrett. Oh no. Little movie called Barton Fink. Oh boy. <laughs> so I'm not really sure where Ooh. that comes, but uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes with these people. Oh my oh my. That's what happens with these people sometimes. My God. What? My God. Barton Fink, one star, man. One one that's new that's a that that is a first here on the uh criterion cruise podcast hate section a barton fink man yeah i don't i don't think i've ever heard of anyone hating barton fink but yeah like but like even like why like of all the movies that you could possibly have come across in your life for you to be the sort of person to hate that movie man Mm. it's got john goodman in it he's america's sweetheart come on Come on, come on, come on, come on. He just likes wrestling. Yeah, he likes wrestling. What's the a problem? Bit. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, George Washington. Disappointing? I guess it would be our, our tagline for this. Yeah. Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing? Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not, not for me. I don't know who it's for. Some people might really be into it for like. I don't know. I feel like superficial reasons. I don't know. I'm just being a dick, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. That's fine, Jared. Yeah. Say what you want to say. Go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. Like the Adams Family? <laughs> Maybe. You can fill in that lyric however you want to, that nice melody that I dropped for you. Well, after the break... Mm. uh. Watch out for those rape dogs. (laughs) 
See, even even I just watched that movie. When you said that, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's how weird it is, and that's how much it sticks out. It's early to rise, early in the sack. I thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. Days are all filled with an easy cut to charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. When the work's all done and the sun's set low, pull out the fiddle and the rosin up the bow. Kids are asleep, so I keep a cattle up. And thank God I'm a country boy. I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could, but the Lord and my wife wouldn't take it very good. So I fiddle when I can, work when I should. And thank God I'm a country boy. RJ, when you killed that kid when you were a youngin, what did you mm-hmm. do with the body? And was it ever found? I ate it. There you it's go. It's the only surefire sure way to get rid of the evidence. What, what did you do with the bones? I ate them. What happened after you passed them? That's the city's problem now. They can't. They can't tell what, what happened. Pops up in the sewage system. Like they don't know what house it originated from. You can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your childhood crimes. Mm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon page. We've got YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and hey. It's been a while since we got a review on that iTunes. So uh, oh, if you're yeah. a new listener and you haven't done so, maybe you should do that because allegedly it's good to find new audience listener type people. Allegedly, allegedly. that is what matters most. I, and that is every podcast I've ever listened to always says uh-huh. that. Like, so it must be true. Next week, RJ, Spine 153. We got uh, Barbara Schroeder coming to give us a documentary film General Idi Amin Dada A Self-Portrait from 1974 Who is Barbara Schroeder? Director of uh, Creep Pick Barfly Single White Female and some other crap and then some some legitimate Criterion movies we'll watch one day but this is the first one of his that will be Is Barfly in the collection? It is sadly not yet Yet being the uh, yet. the key word there, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, uh, we're, hmm. going, we're going we're going to Africa, boy. To where? Uh, Idi Amin country. Do you know anything about this? Nope, not oh, at all. Okay. I'm not going to look into well, it either. Well, I, I've seen this a couple times. Uh, Ooh, it, a it's, couple it's, times. It's, it's, it's going to be a treat. <laughs> hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm... Whatever. It's, it's all. It's about a great man, RJ. A great, great man. As, sure. As, Whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch it if it's in the collection. Because we've got no other choice. Is this like a Coney 2012 type situation? <laughs> uh, no. Not Do quite. you remember Coney though? Oh, who could forget? Mm. I can't believe it was only seven years ago. Who Coney? Yeah. People don't forget. Actually, they did. So, yeah. Yeah, especially that guy naked on the corner 
slapping the ground because he went. Was that Coney? No, that was one of the dudes behind that whole thing. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bart Schroeder. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what he's been up to. Um, <laughs> he may he has a movie about Coco the gorilla, he but does. I think that's a future creep. It is. Well, there you go. And and Metrice, all sorts of classy films. Anyways, Matrice. good night. Matrice.